Welcome to the Enlighten Up Podcast. I am your host, Nicole Frolic, and I invite you to cozy up with me each week as I explore all aspects of the spiritual journey, spiritual biohacking, and expanding the mind beyond this reality. Remember that the collective awakening can start by planting one seed. So thanks for being such an amazing audience and sharing these shows with your family and friends. So without further ado, let's jump right into the episode and find out what we're discovering today. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to the Enlighten Up podcast. I'm so happy to have you here tonight. I have a really special show for all of you. It's going to be an incredible one because I have two guests with me who are producers of the documentary A Thousand Pieces, which is a staggering look through the eyes of government agency insiders into an abyss of systemic corruption and classified illegal programs at the top of the CIA and FBI. A Thousand Pieces um, looks into the abyss of systemic corruption at the very top of the CIA and FBI and exposes the gritty details of illegal programs such as COINTELPRO, which targeted leaders like Martin Luther King and Malcolm X, to CIA intelligence operations like Northwoods and Mockingbird, uncovering potential plans to use false flag events and mainstream media propaganda to control the American people. Today, I'm joined by Roger Richards, which he is an American filmmaker, poet, artist, and activist who is known stylistically for his true conspiracy documentary aesthetic. His films explore highly controversial and subculture topics that can challenge a viewer's understanding of the very nature of reality. These topics include unacknowledged government programs, global political corruption, the JFK assassination, quantum computing, and other advanced classified technologies. I also have Steve Luchesu started his film career just shy of his 18th birthday. Since that first film over 42 years ago, he has been a producer, action unit producer, second unit action director, stunt coordinator, stunt performer, an actor in excess of thousands of productions, including over 500 A-list Hollywood films, more than 850 primetime television episodes, and over 400 international commercials. Steve is a husband, father, minister, engineer, producer, director, second unit director, stunt coordinator, stunt performer, actor, shamanic energy and reconnective healing, medicine practitioner, and professional energy clearer. Wow, guys, welcome to the show. Thanks, Nicole. Thanks, Nicole. Great to be here. So great to have you guys. And I'm really happy because I watched your documentary over the weekend and I managed to get it in front of a couple of friends. Uh, both are pretty much on the same page as all of us. So they were uh, they really thought you guys did a great job. And um, it's I think it's important at these times, especially with everything that's going on <laughs> in our world right now, the, this kind of information is so important to get out to the public. Yeah, I would agree. I think that there's a whole uprising right now of um, artists and filmmakers and uh, citizen journalists that are really kind of realizing that there's no hope left in any type of mainstream media and any type of the systems that we've had. And um, it's really kind of on our shoulders now as a collective, you know, consciousness to to kind of take the arts and the information back to our own, own hands. And so Thousand Pieces is definitely a reflection of that. It really is. And I think more than anything, watching the mainstream media at any given point at this time in our at this time in our history is over to say it's nauseating is being very nice. <laughs> That's definitely I would agree. 
I think it's 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 kind of like that car wreck that uh, you you can't turn away from. You know, every single day. To me, I think it's amazing uh, the censorship that's happening because it's really showing people, you know, without any doubt, the shadow without a shadow of a doubt that you know this is uh, very contrived. It's very controlled. Um, and the more that uh, they censor us, <clears throat> the more they censor this information, the more people get to see that, um, you know, there are people being censored. And I think that's really important right now. Yeah. Well, you guys get into a lot of great stories. You have some incredible um, whistleblowers who uh, who are on the, the documentary. Uh, John D'Souza, Robert Steele, Kathy O'Brien, just to name a few of them. And... It's all about getting exposing, I guess, all of the corruption from the top down, because what I gathered from watching the film is that for the most part, most people in the agency are trying to think, believe they're doing good work or want to be doing good work. But you have these really corrupt people at the top who are basically ruining it, (laughs) uh, controlling everything. And, and, And many of these people don't even realize what they're part of. Steve, you want to take that? Yeah, absolutely, Nicole. That's uh, it, it pretty much mimics exactly what happens in our society. So when you have a handful, five or six families that control 98% of the media that everyone sees day in and day out over and over and over, they're dictated what to say, when to say it, how to say it, what key words to use, and to follow the dialogue that's handed to them. The same things happens in these agencies. These agencies are, for the most part, comprised of, of very good, very patriotic people who want to do their job. They really do. They came in for a reason. They came in for truth and for justice. But somewhere along the way, somebody stepped on their toes and somebody put them into a box and somebody shoved them under their desk and told them to stand down, told them to shut up. And people like John D'Souza, uh, like anybody, any of the any of the the people that that we interviewed for this, they're all the same. This is their lifetime. This isn't somebody who came out of a, a, a two week or two month or a couple of years of a, a bad job and wanted to move on, and they've been surfing the job circuit for their whole life. No, the opposite. They've spent their entire life, decades and decades and decades, in these agencies, and they've sworn an oath, and they've sworn that oath to protect the people. Mm-hmm. They've sworn an oath and that's that's their soul. That's their soul carrying this in this journey right now. And all the way along, they've been suppressed once they start to really find the truth of what's happening. They can't do it anymore. The only way they can they can be honorable to themselves, be honorable to the oath that they swore, which is their integrity now, is to leave the agencies. Because now they can actually continue with that work of truth and justice mm-hmm. because they can't do it in there anymore. No. No, and it's so, and it, it, you know, it, it's really nice to be seeing so many whistleblowers coming forward at this time because we need it. We need, we need their testimonies. We need their truth. We need to know what's happening on the inside because none of us um, understand the depth and uh, the dirtiness of the illegal actions that are really taking place. You know, I'm curious, Steve, uh, what sort of inspiration and, and, what was guiding you around using JFK's very infamous speech around the CIA and wanting to break it up into a thousand pieces? Like, can you kind of share with the audience um, why you really wanted to centralize everything around that? Uh, I'll, I'll actually let Roger answer that since that, you know, we, we know that term, we've heard that term forever. We know exactly what it is, but it was Roger's idea for that. So uh, nobody better to answer it than him. 
I think a thousand pieces that that term in that sentence has been passed around as a quote for a while. And if you really kind of look at it, it's it's kind of shrouded with a bit of, you know, um, secrecy from the standpoint of did he really say that it was quoted after, you know, in a magazine by somebody that said, you know, he was part of the cabinet, I believe, and witnessed him saying that. But it's more so the 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 lore that that statement carries with it, um, that the film kind of embodied, you know, when we start digging into the information around, um, you know, basically the the embodiment of an organization like the CIA or the FBI or the DIA. <clears throat> These are places, you know, that the film goes and, and kind of looks at the systemic corruption that has been a part of kind of this white hat, black hat battle behind the scenes, going back to JFK and essentially what he was trying to do at that time. And, um, you know, the, the, the idea of uh, scattering um, the CIA into a thousand pieces, scattering or uh, splintering them into a thousand pieces and scattering them to the winds is uh, a resonant kind of folklore piece that really uh, ties together this idea of how dangerous these intelligence organizations are, especially uh, from the standpoint of being a sitting, you know, president. The the idea that you know the president doesn't have direct or oversight or didn't have direct oversight <clears throat> of these organizations um, really shows the ability for these organizations to manipulate um, the American public and the glo larger global population. You know, through their powers and through their kind of clandestine projects a big part of you know what we revealed in the film is these things like COINTELPRO and Operation Mockingbird and uh, MK Ultra etc these are all projects you know by the FBI and CIA uh, that uh, you know were either illegal or were targeting Americans generally in you know the worst of ways I mean if you look at even you know the the civil rights movement and the leaders that were targeted through you know COINTELPRO you know these are horrifying acts against you know, what should be the the country, the space of of freedom and defining, you know, its own future. And yet there behind the scenes are these intelligence operations that are there crafting and manipulating those and basically building timelines. And so to, to splinter into a thousand pieces and scatter to the winds was a theme that I thought was fitting considering that um, it kind of is time to do that. The reform of these agencies is needed. The transparency of these agencies is needed. There are a lot of very brave people coming forward talking about, you know, what they've experienced, you know, luckily we we were able to get a handful of them in this film, but there are, you know, hundreds and hundreds of others that have talked about, you know, the systemic corruption that they witnessed within these agencies. And so that's just kind of the theme of the, the whole film and it's embodied in that, that single sentence. You know, you mentioned something there that was very interesting, and I never kind of thought about it in this way, even though the truth of it, I've known, but the way you said it, it kind of, you know how sometimes things just spark you to think about things in a different way. But when you mentioned how the CIA was creating all these timelines and like, or, or any of these agencies um, through their corruption, it's true. Like they're all manipulating. They're the ones that are manipulating these timelines that we're all buying into by watching the media by, or, you know, <laughs> And even if you're not watching the media, you're still communicating with people who are. And it's it's kind of still coming through in, in many ways. It's really difficult to completely dissociate yourself so that you're not assisting in creating the timelines that these corrupt agencies are literally controlling at this time. Yeah, I think that one of the, the amazing things for me of putting together this film and working on this film is putting together the information for myself and really kind of realizing 
okay, in this great scavenger hunt of putting together thousands of pieces, like literally, um, what is revealed? Okay, it's revealed that uh, these intelligence agencies aren't afraid to infiltrate uh, revolutionary movements. Uh, what do we see going on right now? Uh, these intelligence agencies are not afraid to use trauma-based mind control on people in mass. What are we seeing going on now? These intelligence agencies are not afraid to infiltrate the mainstream media and um, you know push pop propaganda through there. So <clears throat> when you start tying all of these together and you start looking at the timeline that we've experienced, especially uh, from the point of JFK, JFK's assassination to now, you see what at least I witnessed as a culling of collective consciousness towards a single point for a very, very dark means. And, you know, the, the power structures that have been behind, you know, the uh, oligarchs and the bloodlines, the elite bloodlines, the royal bloodlines, and how these intelligence agencies are basically their strong arm, you know, against not only the American public, but the global populace in maintaining uh, submission and maintaining a perpetual state of fear um, and division to continue to rule over the people i mean the best way to 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 rule over mobs is get them to you know fight each other and then you are the the savior in it all they look to you for that that saviorship <clears throat> and so you know in the process of making this film and looking at these events looking at these people who were killed looking at you know the assassinations that went down looking at the bombings that went down the false flags that went down how the the mainstream media is literally broadcasting trauma triggers over and over and over to put people in a state of heightened you know tension and uh, division that was one of the things that kind of got put together for me in this this whole film and and kind of really realizing you know the the ability of us um, as as a group think as a collective consciousness to write our own timeline is the power that we all have collectively together and when that's hijacked by these uh, you know different groups um, with different agendas they have those abilities to write those timelines for us and they take that power away from us and I think a big part of these um, um, intelligence agencies being exposed right now is going to really show how much and how deep these experiences have been cultivated for us and for reasons and that awakening is going to be a, a rough one you know it's 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 going to be a rough one for a lot of people that had a lot of faith you know steve can attest to this like what he was saying here as far as you know these people that are part of these agencies they went in there trying to be of service, you know, believing in their oaths and whatnot, <clears throat> and to be able to kind of spend, you know, 10, 15, 25 years, you know, in service, and then, you know, come to the realization, you know, my God, this is this is a horrendous beast that's, you know, being controlled at the top from the most, you know, corrupt standpoints <clears throat> imaginable right now. You know, it's 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 a horrifying thing. And I, I applaud these people that have come forward. Um, you know, Kathy O'Brien hasn't spoken three years since her husband, you know, Mark Phillips, you know, untimely passed away. And these people that have come forward to speak in this film and share this experience, I think, are just contributing to the greater collective awakening we're all going to have in whole. And it's just going to avalanche. And, you know, soon we'll be sitting with all the pieces, thousands of pieces to look at openly and understand wow, this, this is this is what's been happening, you know? Yeah, you know, you said something there too, which I think there's a couple of things I want to say here. Um, I hope I don't forget it all. <laughs> uh, but you talked about the, 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 the best way to 
have fight a mob is to have them fight each other, right? And this is one of the things I've been trying to drive home with some people that I know who've really bought into this whole like liberal Republican or conservative kind of thing. And like right now we're really seeing um, that the corruption is so deeply ingrained on both sides, both um, the Republicans and the Democrats, just taking it to the political side here. And, you know, I've always understood it that they're just two wings of the same bird, not to get caught up in the labels, just understand what you stand for and and make sure your values and your truths are, are really strong in that regard. Uh, but, you know, right now we're seeing very much the reason why the Republicans have been spineless has just been a facade so that we all think that they just are spineless. But really, they're behind all of this just as much as the Democrats. So they're all in cahoots doing this together. And so one of the things that I try to drive home is do not fight with those that you love over politics as hard as it may be because they want us divided. And at the end of the day, like I'm at the point right now where I don't care who believes in what, I just refuse to get into the discussions where there may be arguments or it may feel like I'm fighting because I don't want to create that discord, that ener- I don't want to feed that energy or give them that satisfaction of allowing these two polarizations that are actually working together to separate us any further. And one of the great things that I think about your film, uh, A Thousand Pieces, and I'm going to say this to everyone in the audience, if you want to help red pill some people around you, this is one of the better, I feel like, um, to people who don't know too much about this stuff, it's a great uh, documentary to help people get introduced to this stuff and really start to understand it. You guys have put laid it all out in a very cohesive manner that I think anyone who's not really familiar with the information would be able to understand and follow along and have their eyes opened. And introducing it to your family or friends or whatever, I think one of the best ways to go about it is the fact that you know, most people love JFK. There aren't too many people who didn't love JFK. He was kind of that cohesive president that everyone, whether you're um, Republican or Democrat, can kind of get behind. Uh, he was kind of loved by all of America in many ways. And so if you were to say, like, there's this really cool documentary about JFK and how he was trying to, um, you know, subvert some, you know, illegal actions of intelligence agencies, I think that would be a really great way just, you know, and you could even say like, I haven't checked it out. It'd be really cool to watch it with you or anything like that. I think would be a great way to get more people in front of it without having to go into all the other stuff because I think he was just, you know, admired by many. Yeah, I think the JFK is an incredibly powerful archetype for everyone on a global, you know, a global uh, perspective. It's, uh, <clears throat> he's a household name, you know, from that standpoint, the assassination of his was, you know, the first one that was broadcast, you know, publicly in such kind of horrific detail. Um, that trauma cascaded over decades into now. And the archetype or the hyper sigil that JFK w- is within himself holds um, a great key to unlocking an understanding right now that is, you know, knocking at our door. And, <clears throat> you know, with, 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 JFK and being able to 
you know, reach out to generations that actually were still alive when that happened, you know, that remember where they were that day, you know, it's like time stands still from, from the standpoint of, you know, trauma, a lot of people, you know, just like the moon landing, they remembered where they were that day, you know, when they heard, uh, you know, of his assassination. And um, I think it's also a really interesting, you know, thing to look at the idea of the term conspiracy theory being born out of the archetype of JFK and covering up, you know, things like this magic bullet and the patsy and uh, Oswald and, you know, everything that kind of came with the, the, the slow disclosures over decades. But, you know, it's a great place to talk about now with people where, you know, we're looking six decades later and they have not released this information. They have not opened that up to the public. They continue to push it back. And um, the question is why? What is it really hiding? Are we going to pop that thing open and realize, dang, our intelligence agencies had something to do with this? Dang, sitting, you know, officials had something to do with this. That's that's a conversation for the family for sure. <laughs> yeah, and also, I mean, I mean, I was just talking to my dad. I don't know how long ago, and maybe it was a, on a phone call, and he was talking about, oh yeah, I was watching this great movie about how it was the Irish mob that took out JFK and all that. <laughs> so it was, and and. And I'm just listening to it going, wow, they're, they're was just doing a great job of getting some sort of narrative into people's minds. So let's kind of talk about that, how it feels to me that they're the whole reasoning why they always try to get ahead of a story is because the mind will always gravitate towards what it's told first. You know, like it, it, that becomes its truth. And so anything that goes against it already, you've, you've, established a baseline of what you think is supposed to be the truth and so now you have to disprove that and as opposed to actually just being able to accumulate all this information and then come up with an understanding of what it is steve do you want to talk about that yeah exactly that's uh that's the the whole nature of the scoop that you know we're, we're familiar of hearing from the mainstream media it doesn't matter what they put out it matters that they put it out first before everybody else that is their only goal. It doesn't matter that they can't substantiate it. It doesn't matter that they can't prove it. It's irrelevant. We just need to beat everybody else. It, it, when I look at some of the headlines that hit some of the feeds, I find it mind boggling how many, it, we're down to seconds from something happening now. Before it would be before the next morning to get the printing presses going because they had a much you know more involved process. Now it's clicks of a keyboard ready to go they've already I, they've already written stories already and they're just waiting to hit send on whichever one is the correct one that's 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 how much crap is in there and what they're doing and you're right the first story out there that's what people hear because they go with it and that's part of the programming that all of us have undergone since before we were born we were all taught things. We were all taught methods. We were all taught principles from people close to us, whether it was our parents or siblings or our other relatives, uh, people of authority around us, whether it was a, you know, a priest or a school teacher or somebody in the neighborhood. We were all told things. And for the most part, people are good and they're teaching younger people around them what they believe is right. The problem is when they're teaching something that isn't true, it doesn't matter how true they think it is, and it doesn't matter how honest they are in their own life, they're teaching something that's 100% wrong. Mm -hmm. So, and you, you know, you touched on it earlier about the, about the division of, of the masses. Well, what better way to control everybody is to keep them consumed with 
meaningless little things and find something that you can split the population as close to 50-50 as you can. Because if you can split it 80-20, you're going to lose. Because the 80% is going to take over, the 20% aren't going to say anything. Mm-hmm. But if you can go 50-50 and people are hearing their side of the argument just as much as they're not, then they're going to keep fighting. And the more people move away from the center line, if we stay close to the center line of our argument, then we can open our eyes and open our ears and, and open our thoughts to everyone's argument. The problem is if, if you're going to stand on, on a division point and instead of being close to the other, other person's point of view, you move down the spectrum to as far as you possibly can be, you'll never hear what they have to say. You'll never feel the words. You'll never feel the energy that they're trying to get to you. Your mind is closed. Your thoughts are closed. You've got a sealed shut book. It's carved in stone. Come back to the center point. Mm-hmm. And listen to what other people have to say. Don't yell and scream. Don't look at it with hatred. Look at it with love. And love will win. And that's why they don't want love. They want hatred and they want fear because it keeps the control. Yeah. And I think, too, the way the intelligence agencies use their journalism, their journalists (laughs) that they co-opt is the same with how they uh, program us in that they'll put in like truth first. Let's gain their confidence. Let's gain their confidence so that we're an authority they trust. And then it starts filling in all of the false lies and and then just keep it with some false lies and then more truth, some false lies and then some more truth. And, you know, I, I, this is really interesting because yesterday when I was, um, uh, I was the day after I watched the documentary, I was listening to, um, I don't know if you guys are familiar with, uh, Tori says. Yeah. Okay. So I was watching her show yesterday and she's one of my favorite people to listen to. Cause I feel like a lot of her information is she goes into a lot of depth. She's a whistleblower herself. Uh, and she showed this one video on her channel yesterday from, God, it looked like it may have been the late seventies or eight eighties, early eighties. And it was of, um, I have my notes here on John Stockwell. And he was a former CIA operation director. And he talked about how the CIA, one of their, (laughs) one of their actual things that they're responsible for doing is disseminating propaganda to control people's minds. Um, and that that's one of the actual major functions of the CIA. He's on video saying that. And so he talked about how he started to break it down, how with journalists and how they would use journalists. And he said, first you buy a journalist's confidence by setting them up with true stories. And he goes, and then you set them up with a false story. Every every fifth story is false, is what he said, basically. He goes, but there's also one of the ways that they work on their um, journalists is that they'll work on their human vulnerabilities to recruit them in a classic sense of the way that the CIA does and make them their agent so that they're easier to control and not have to necessarily set them up with these false stories. Uh, and so they become uh, part of the the plan, the mission. And he said, he gave an example of how in 1975, uh, they had 400 responsible journalists cooperating with the CIA, including some of the biggest names in journalism to introduce stories into the public's minds. And one of the ones that he talked about was um, on the Angola war. And he said that when he was managing, he was part of his work was to manage the, um, manage the Angola war. And uh, he said a third of his staff was specifically just for propaganda. And he said, ironically, 
they were called the covert action, like putting out propaganda was called covert action inside the CIA. And they would take stories and they would write them and then plant them in the Zambia Times. And what he would then do is, and, and the, gov, the Zambia government was in on it. They were allowing them to put the, this information in there. And then they would take the stories and they would send them to, say, their European agents who were in on this and give them the story to put into their publications. And so the, pub, the, the, the journalists knew what they were doing, but what they would do is use a cover story where he said he got it from someone else who got it from the Zambia Times. And there was this whole like cover story, even though, so the, maybe the paper wouldn't necessarily, although I can't even imagine that, but whoever they're working with, the, the journalists did know what they were involved in. And so they're just basically set up a stringer so that they could um, do that. And then they plant... He talked about, because you talk about Northwoods in the video, in this, um, in the documentary, and he talked about that, how they would plant false photos of um, the Cubans being executed by the women, I guess, that were the, the victimized. Um, and they would just put all these horrific photos in there, uh, presumably to start war. Uh, and the CIA did this despite him acknowledging, he says, we had not one piece of evidence that the Cubans were doing any of this, that they were performing any acts of atrocity or um, trauma to anyone. And so it was all propaganda, all propaganda that started um, the Cuban war. Yeah, I think um, <clears throat> what you're talking about might be the church committee hearings. If I yes, 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 okay. yes, yes, yes. So and so that's a perfect example. We're, we're looking at like 1975 here, 74, I believe mm -hmm. is, yeah. is what it was. Um, and this is, you know, 45 years ago from the standpoint of, you know, what was available then, printing presses and, you know, television and, and whatnot. Look at that now in contrast to social media being the, the public town square here and the censorship that's happening there. Look at that in relationship to the media monopolies, you know, with the, the, the news stations and the, the mainstream media from that standpoint. You know, the, the dangers there are so evident if you just take the smallest amount of time to kind of research these things. What you just went through, Nicole, is like a, a, a great example of some very, very easy researchable information that's out there in public domain. It can absolutely align your perception to understanding how these intelligence agencies have infiltrated the mainstream media and how they're using that. You know, there's a great quote in the film and I've referenced it in a couple other interviews here, but it's just so, you know, perfect where Robin Gritz says, you know, they used to joke about the CIA. If they couldn't find them though, they're probably overthrowing a small country somewhere. That's, you know, that's exactly what's happening for real. These, these um, agencies are manipulating governments and world economies and militias and militaries, you know, all around the world and have been since their inception. <clears throat> and when you really kind of take, you know, the 40,000 foot view and look back on the influence that they've had around the world and really kind of understand who's behind them and who, you know, who they are, the hand and the extension of, you know, it's very, very easy to understand the situation that we're all kind of sitting in right now. It's very, very transparent. And I think that, um, you know, 
there is a huge swell of uh, grassroots direct action to shine light on these deeds right now. Not only, you know, what's happened with the intelligence agencies, but how the mainstream media has been complicit with uh, covering it up, hiding things, um, and also redirecting, you know, uh, the American public and the, the, the global public in a lot of different narratives, you know, that, that, that literally go nowhere and they wrap up <clears throat> everyone's emotional energy. They get you to place judgment like you said you know the first story that's heard your mind you know grapples against that first story that is exactly these tactics but the beautiful thing around that is those are the same keys that you have to unlocking yourself permanently from being a victim of these types of propaganda because once you get into understanding how that works you can never un understand that it is always there and you start perceiving everything that you intake uh, visually you know from an audio standpoint you know from that understanding of like am i being manipulated and you can i mean you can smell it now like once you're awake it's like it, it takes just a few seconds into these things before you can smell the manipulation of, of what's going there and it's really like it's an amazing gift to people uh, for their own personal sovereignty right now <clears throat> to kind of transition out of this, um, you know, cattle herd, you know, the, the sheeple, the idea of the sheeple and into this place of personal sovereignty and um, taking responsibility for themselves, but then also the whole in things. And, you know, you're talking about how do we kind of receive information and how is information used against us in propaganda. And a big part of it is learning to understand how to suspend judgment right now, because you can say, I can tell you all day long, this is my truth. This is what I witnessed, but I witnessed my truth through my my eyes, my feelings, my perceptions, you know, all of that type of stuff. The person standing right next to me is going to have a vastly different experience. And once we understand that we are all collectively witnessing together and everyone's witnessing is valuable to the whole, that's where the suspension of judgment, you know, happens. And it doesn't become a division tactic that can be used against us because there is no judgment. It all becomes information that flows through the core of all of us that we're respecting each other for sharing that, being a part of that and whole and making sure that you know we're understanding where we can collectively go together and not be manipulated in you know in the future. Th these are all part of what you know people want to call the great awakening, the ascension, you know, uh, uh, the unveiling, all of these kind of like buzzwords, but honestly, it's about really taking accountability and suspending judgment and really finding at the core of who you are, unconditional love for everyone, because without that, we go nowhere. We cannot go collectively together without that unconditional love and surrendering of judgment where everyone's perspective is valuable. Everyone is valuable from the murderer to the scientist, to the school teacher, to the housewife, house husband, whatever it is, we are all valuable to perceiving and creating this experience. And that's what's happening right now is all of this stuff is falling apart. People get to witness that and step one, you know, step closer to each other in this experience experience of, you know, really kind of understanding what it means to be one entangled with each other in a quantum relationship with each other. You know, these are all the base tenets of, you know, religions that we all kind of believe and love and, you know, give our energy to, but really the simplicity of it comes down to that, that we affect each other, you know, every, everything that we do, we affect each other in the whole. And it's really about understanding that and honoring, you know, that space of, of your contribution to the collective and the collective's contribution to you. Yeah, well said. That was beautiful. <laughs> Whatever, all of that was just amazing. And I think it's a really, um, 
it's a really good kind of good segue into uh, what we were kind of talking about earlier before we went live. Steve, you know, you were talking about this idea of wanting to put out more meaningful media to the people where we're not just blowing things up and murdering people on TV and movies and and giving giving the people something to actually digest and um, and and take in that has purpose and meaning and speaks to the heart of humanity. Do you want to talk about that? Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, my career of, of, of these last 42 years, it's, uh, you know, four decades of, of making films that are all high, uh, you know, high octane action of crashing cars and blowing up buildings and, you know, falling off the buildings and being lit on fire and parachuting out of planes and falling downstairs and, you know, one fight after another and gunshots and battles and cutting people up and explosions over and over and over. And in the end, what is it doing? What does it bring us? What value does it actually bring? It takes people into a altered state, you know, state of reality for a couple of hours where they're watching the movie and they forget about it, moving on for the next one, like another, you know, another drug that they want, as opposed to getting people to think and getting people to actually help each other and understand what's going on in the world. And, and, and you know, using their talents and using their abilities to be able to make it better. Like if everybody had a thought of making this world a better place than before they got here, how great would this world be? Instead of trying to outdo the next guy and beat the next guy and see what I can rip somebody off and see what I can scam somebody with. No, instead, no. What do we need? What do we truly need? And how much better is it that we can help somebody? Because we all have these gifts and we all have these abilities, but society takes it away from us. Tells us we can't do it. Tells us, no, you can't understand that. No, you don't know that. No, you, you know, don't know who's on the other end of the phone before you pick it up. We all had these things when we were kids. Then we lose them. So when I look at the film industry and what we've done and what we're doing now, what Roger and I are doing now, I, I love this. I mean, I love this with a, with a passion that you know, I haven't felt before. And if we can bring these truths to the, to, you know, the public and to the people for them to understand what we're finding, and it's not what I think I know, it's not what my opinions are, what my thoughts are, but rather what people who lived another lifetime so we get to walk in their shoes. We got to walk in John D'Souza's shoes in the 25 years he worked for the FBI. We got to walk in Robert David Steele's shoes for the time that he worked for the CIA. And for Kathy O'Brien, for what she went through from a little girl from six years old, it's horrific. It's horrific. It's the stuff that people never believe happened. It's just the, it's just the workings of a Hollywood movie. And then you meet her. And you feel what comes from her and you feel the truth and you feel the passion that she has. And, and you know that the unbelievable is now believable and you see why it's believable. And then you can start researching facts. Robin Gritz can tell us things and you can go back over what she's told us and research each, each and every part of it. And you understand where the truth is. Joe Flynn tells us that, you know, no matter what happens, he told us this before the general got exonerated and pardoned. So it doesn't matter what happens to us. You need to keep fighting. You need to, you know, be the digital soldiers is the, is the uh, you know, the term that his brother coined and used and uses that and tells people in his speeches. They need more. They need more digital soldiers. They need more people to research and get the truth out. Don't just print something for the sake of being sensational. Print it and show it and show the proof where people can actually see it. That makes a big difference. And that's what I think we're doing. 
Yeah, and I think also just having actual facts to be able to um, equip yourself so that you can have intelligent conversations with people and not in a sense of trying to prove anyone else wrong, but just sharing them from that point where you said, like, let's just have a conversation about this because as soon as you're in that mode or that, that energy field of competition, like I'm right, you're wrong, or I need to disprove you or you need to disprove me, all of a sudden no one's listening anymore. You know, it's not, it's not about the conversation and the truth. It's about who's right and who's wrong. And we need to move away from that. You know, with your shamanism and energetic clearing background, Steve, I'm curious to ask you, um, when John D'Souza was sharing his story and how he went into, you know, he had to go back into the FBI office and he met with, um, you know, someone who told him like they're not even going to see you. You're going to walk in there. No one's going to see you and you're going to be safe and you're going to be fine for you. And, and then him actually having that experience. What was that for you? Like, how did that affect you? Well, what uh, I, I mean, I could feel when I spoke earlier when I said, you, you know, we got to sit with these each one of these people and, and others that, that aren't in our documentary that will be in our future documentaries. But um, when you get to sit with these people and actually feel their energy and feel the truth that they're that they're giving you, it's not just the words that you're hearing. You're hearing much, much more than that. You're feeling everything that they have to say. And and. I mean, I was I was feeling the trauma in John and in Bella. And then, I, I mean, they, they were bringing me close to tears and in listening to their stories. And I and I, I feel Bella's pain and she recants the story over and over and telling me, you know, what she felt and what she went through, what she endured. And, uh, you know, and then when I talked to John about it the same way and yes, you know, his his me amigo, as he called him. Um, helped him understand on how to, you know, walk in those currents around us, walk through the storm, but walk through the eye of the storm and, and don't let it affect and don't live in fear. Because if we live in fear, then we're so easily controlled and manipulated. So that's a lesson that I learned a long time ago. It's one of the, one of the number one questions people ask me about doing a stunt, a stunt when I'm going to jump off a building that's 400 feet high. And they, aren't you afraid? Isn't there any fear? I go, no, there, there, there actually isn't. I'm not afraid because I've built the equipment that's going to enable me to jump off this building. And I've, I've built an, every part of it and designed it. And, and my engineering background makes me double check and triple check every single connection point and what the roof can hold for the stresses and the forces and everything that comes into the cable that's going to stop me and the electronic and the hydraulic and the pneumatic systems that are going to stop me. I have faith in it because I've tested it. I've designed it. I've built it. I've tested it. And now I'm just have other things to worry about. What my body's going to do when I'm diving through the air. What I'm going to do as I hit the ground. I have dialogue to deliver. I have something to release and then take off and jump into the car and speed away. So when John walks through that, he's he's he walked into that building and he walked in without fear. Because fear is unique to each person on the face of this earth. What one person fears is not what the next person fears. We create it out of nothing. And it truly doesn't exist, period. It absolutely does not exist. And when people can use trauma in your life, they can build on that. They can manipulate you and control you. And that's what they did to John for years. And then he got through that. 
And he walked through it and he walked in with his head held high. He knew what he did was right. And again, that was his soul. He, his soul knew where he was going. His soul knew that this was just one minor step to close that chapter. And when he walked out that door, he had a new chapter he was going to bring to this earth. And he's doing a damn good job doing it. He most certainly is. And, you know, the reason why I bring this up is because, well, there's a couple of reasons. One, I think, you know, for me personally, I just had to go through an experience that where it was triggering a lot of fear for me. And uh, and I had to, in a way, kind of walk through the system, you know, hoping to go unnoticed in, in, in ways. And it, I had, I called in all this light and I, you know, worked with, um, my, my guides, my beings. And I was able to witness from like, in hindsight, looking back on it, uh, there were moments where things happened that I thought were (laughs) maybe a sign, a bad omen of things to come. Like something wasn't working properly and it was slowing me down. And I was like, Oh, maybe this, I hope this isn't a bad sign of things to come. And what it turned out to be was actually the biggest blessing. And I saw it, I saw it in all real time happening, how the very thing I was trying to avoid, um, I managed to avoid through that one blessing that happened that I thought was not good. And I managed to walk through and have a very pleasant experience with what I was um, going through and literally went through unnoticed and unquestioned. And it was, it, it kind of resonated with me with what um, John was kind of talking about in being able to go through the agency and, and come out safely. Uh, and, and no one looked up, no one saw him, no one even noticed. And it was like, he, I think, did he say there was like a light almost like that was kind of he saw surrounding him as he walked through and it was almost, I don't know, maybe I'm just making that up in my head, but <laughs> I felt that, I felt that for him. And it speaks to the spiritual nature of everything we're going through and what we cannot disconnect from through these trying times and how important it is to have that connection and to have that faith. That faith is what will take us through to the other side of like what you're saying, take us through the eye of the storm and get us on through the other side. Do you guys want to talk about that um, nature? Because I think right now it's something that a lot of people need to hear because there's a lot of fear porn being dis- like disseminated right now and people are getting scared of a lot of different things, uh, vaccines, uh, the outcome of the election, uh, all these, these different things. Um, Richard, do you kind of want to speak to the importance of that and how you use the, your spiritual connection to manage that? fear and and to be a hero in your own life i think from the standpoint of what john d'souza said in that film and that story you know the reason i chose to to put that into the cut here is because it it was an important message from the standpoint of understanding spiritual warfare i think this is something that underlies everything that we experience right now the great battle between light and dark this is the dichotomy that fuels all of our experience without that dichotomy we are you know in a perpetual state of suspended animation and that machine that ability to choose and the free will to choose kind of negative polarity service to uh, self you know positive polarity service to others decisions through the your experience is what drives all of this for 
everyone. And when you're talking about fear here, um, I think fear is one of the, the most amazing experiences that you can use for the betterment of yourself. Because uh, just like what Steve's saying, it's, it's an illusion. It's an aspect of yourself that's being brought up and uh, agitated emotionally to get you to pay attention. You cannot uh, ignore fear. Fear is something that just grabs you by the center of you know, all that you are. And it's just like, pay attention when you can surrender to the unconditional love of those fears and use fears as portals to dive into for the greatest transformational changes that you can have in your life, you will level up one after another, after another, after another. And just like you have, you know, reflected on yourself here, Nicole, through whatever experience you had, you know, recently where, you know, it, it, it felt, you know, just like you couldn't go through this and there was this choking well of fear. And then when you get to the other, their side it's like okay here's the perspective what was the catalyst how did that help me grow <clears throat> i think if i had a message to kind of share with everybody um on that perspective is you know for me spiritual warfare is very real it's uh something that i live in and perceive in experience from the root foundation of who i am on a daily level it's how i extend myself into the world uh to try to be the best person that i can be to be of service in the most uh you know, unique ways I can individually. Everybody has something unique to them to contribute to this experience. And when you can um, cut away all of the conditioning, the social conditioning, the matrix that, you know, we all kind of live in and find that space in you where just this thing, you can only do this, you know, that, that becomes the the greatest kind of unlocking i think of anybody's own personal journey into facing their own fears and finding their own potential and maximizing their own potential as a gift of gratitude to be of service to this experience and so for me you know i relate it to the consciousness the the, the standpoint of consciousness the the battleground of consciousness is happening right now for real it's infiltrated you know uh, incessantly from all different agendas, through all different ways, through advertising, through language, the entomology of words, uh, religions, institutions, educations, systems, all of these things we are uh, perpetually at war with within ourselves to try to defend our innate understandings and intuitions. And those uh, mind control programs, those, uh, they completely wash away our connection to that innate understanding and intuition of ourselves. And so for me, the, the, the highest message right now um, for anybody is to take any fear that you're having. If you're sitting home in a pit of fear and you're like, oh God, where is this going? You know, I'm scared of this, 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 and this use those as opportunities to look at why am I scared of those things? You know, if I'm scared of somebody, you know, beating down my door, why am I scared of that? You know, from the standpoint of, you know, what's going on out in the bigger world, how can I contribute and change that? How can I be a participant in kind of the spiritual war uh, from a standpoint of contribution of the highest service of good and light and love and compassion? Because when you can access those things, you are more powerful than you will ever, ever know. When you can live and walk in those understandings and experience and perpetuate, um, you know, conversations with others from those understandings, the ripple effect that you have, you know, is exponential on a level that, you know, you, you just can't even understand. And so if you guys are sitting at home scared right now, wake up to the beauty of this fear. Wake up and understand what the fear has to offer for you. Wrap it in love, wrap it in gratitude, um, and it won't be long before it just kind of disappears. And like Steve said, I'm real.
Well, I love I love what you said there about using how fear can be our portal into our greatest transformation. I think that's a great way to look at fear, using it as a portal into our own personal alchemy, uh, you know, to spiritually evolve um, on, on all different kinds of levels. Steve, do you have anything you'd like to add there? Oh, you're muted. Sorry about that. I did that again. <laughs> um, no, actually, uh, I, I think that pretty much covers everything in that aspect of it. It, it, uh, it really is true. Um, we, we have to really look deep down inside uh, and, and figure the base root reasons why we're thinking what we're thinking and then challenge it and understand it. And once you understand it, then, then it's gone. Fear is gone when you, when you truly, totally understand it. And, you know, things I'll do with clearings and energy clearings or, or, or shamanic uh, clearings with people are they, they do have fears and the fears are valid. It's valid for them. So I don't discount them in the manner to say, oh, it's just a simple thing. Fear doesn't exist. It's just fabricated. No, it is real for each person. But my opinion is, yes, it's fabricated in each one of our minds because it's not tangible. We can't put a value to it. We can't hold it. We can't put it in a box. We can't bring it up and put it on a piece of paper and show somebody it. We can try and describe it, but as Roger said, we each walk our own path. So if I'm going to describe something to you, I don't know that you're ever going to understand it because I'm, on, I'm explaining it in my path, in the path mm -hmm. that I've walked. So I can't possibly bring all the experiences of my life that got me to that point of what I'm going to call fear because you didn't experience any of it. Maybe you did. Maybe you experienced everything and you're terrified long before the end of the story, <laughs> right? Yeah. So, so instead... Move down the timeline. And is this fear that you have, is it going to matter two weeks from now, two months from now, two years from now? Oh, no, it's not going to matter at all two years from now. Okay, imagine yourself two years from now when that fear doesn't exist anymore. You've overcome it. You have it. Hold that. Hold that energy. Hold that in your body. Hold it in your mind. And now come back to the present with it and live your life with that knowledge. Find the understanding in what it is. And in order to find that understanding, you're going to have to go backwards down your timeline to figure out where it is. Because if all you do is bury it and shove it into the back recesses of your mind, you're never going to deal with it. It's going to come right back up at the time you least want it to. Yeah. And oftentimes those fears are trying to grab our attention to go back in time and, and heal, heal those moments, those projection points along our timeline that are shaping the very creations that we're experiencing in this moment. Um, Sutterbug, thank you so much for the super chat. He's saying, great job, Nicole. These guys are fantastic. I can't wait to see their documentary, A Thousand Pieces. Thanks, Roger and Steve. Um, yeah, so, okay, you know, with everything that's kind of happening right now, uh, we're about to exit 2020. <laughs> I think there are a lot of people who are happy to see 2020 go. I personally think it was a great year in many respects. Uh, yeah, there, some people look at it like we had a year stolen from us and yeah, you can take that perspective and all of that. But I saw it as, um, you know, there was definitely loss. There was, I lost someone um, close to my heart to uh, the virus. Uh, but, you know, there's been a lot of gains as well. And I think a lot of people have awakened in 2020. Uh, it's funny because I heard like a saying like last year in 2019 that it would be the year the masks fall off. 
<laughs> Who knew that 2020 was going to be the year the masks go back on? But I think that's just symbolic of the state that we're at where the... I guess the energies that are trying so hard to maintain this narrative and work very hard to um, keep their control is that they're doing they're they're going to drastic measures right now. Can we just before we close off, can we kind of speak to the point we talked about the fear aspect? Maybe we could go into the belief aspect of how important it is to hold beliefs of how powerful you are. Roger, you kind of touched on it towards the end there. And Steve, you've touched on it as well. But for instance, I've recently um, received a download about like, for instance, it was called the cosmic antibody, um, or perhaps around the the, the, the vaccine. And uh, that there there is a way that you know, we, we're in total control of our reality if we choose to be and how important it is to be in a sovereign belief system that isn't actually mind controlled through all of the programming that we're seeing happening. All of the stuff that you guys talk about in this film from through the CIA, through the CIA, the FBI and all other three letter agencies manipulation through the media. Um, how important it is to know that you can change anything, transform anything, create a reality or a, I want to say a field that is impenetrable to anything that you don't want to come in. I think that's a huge, huge topic, you know, to try to kind of condense down into a few minutes before closing this up, but I will definitely do my best to kind of contribute to that conversation for sure. I think that, um, <clears throat> As you go through untying yourself uh, and, and uh, you know, pulling yourself away from the control matrix and the things that have conditioned you into who you are, there's kind of a, you know, like a lack of a better term here, like a midlife crisis moment where I think everyone is faced with who am I really now without the conditioning, without these, um, you know, programs that have been installed into me, who am I really? And that's essentially what the rabbit hole is. It's a thresher to basically pull you apart through all of that experience, to pull apart all of the um, mind control programs and to, you know, make you look at everything that you believe you are that makes up who you feel that you are. And a lot of that experience sometimes reveals some pretty like heavy, heavy duty stuff to, to, to people where they realize that that's not me. Wait a minute. Like, I thought this was me my whole life and holy cow, this is not me because look at what's behind these things. Or, you know, the, they start awakening to that innate sense within them of their own intuitions and their own feelings and the brainwashing starts dissolving. And so the idea of understanding kind of, um, you know, you use the term belief here and, and what that brings into reality. I mean, we are at the precipice of a great quantum awakening right now. I believe it's being stewarded in by the technology that's been developed, but it's also being stewarded in by higher consciousness within the collective consciousness that's pulling that out. What does it mean to understand that um, you're entangled with everyone, you know, from your, the, the base understanding of all things and all of existence? What does it mean to, um, you know, if you look at things like Schrodinger's cat and witnessing your own superposition, what does it mean to witness in reality? What does that really, really mean from a, a standpoint of the power that each one of us have? What are we choosing to witness here? What are we being told to witness? Are we being told to witness this giant, you know, division that's being, you know, uh, played out between, you know, right and left? Are we 
being told to 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 witness this massive uh, you know pandemic and the fear that's going on. What are we choosing to witness? <clears throat> because at this point, what you choose to witness is, from my perspective and understanding, is what comes to you. You create your own gravity by belief systems, by what you put out there. It's how they've hijacked all of us and, and organized all of that. And when you awaken to the understanding of your own power to, to um, witness what you choose through your own perceptions, as opposed to the lenses that have been given to you or downloaded to you, um, you know, brainwashed, whatever the term that you want to use. When you choose to witness from your own authentic self, you are a living God. You are living as God. You are living as the Christ consciousness of all things are one and we all affect each other in the great, you know, collective consciousness that we're experiencing here. And so I, I hope that people can understand, um, you know, and wake up sooner to their own power of what they choose to witness and how that manifests in their own lives, but also how that again ripples out into all the experience of that collective consciousness, you know, from the, the greater experience we're all a part of here. Very well said. Wow, I just really enjoyed listening to both of you. Steve, do you, did you want to share any last thoughts on that? No, it's, that's good. I mean, that's a beautiful way to end it. Oh, wow, Roger, that was great. Um, very well said. And I think you've given what I love is that you guys have both brought such a beautiful spiritual aspect into all of this, which is the very thing that I think they're trying to drive out of humanity right now. Um, our connection to God, creator, source, universe, whatever you call it. Uh, it's so important to maintain that connection and strengthen it at these times, because there's no way that you can quote unquote, walk through the valley of death without, you know, God by your side uh, and knowing that God is within you and you are God. And so walking in the light is embracing all of that and continuing to embrace it. So, um, Steve, do you want to let everyone know uh, the details of the movie, where they can watch it and uh, how to get more people in front of it? Uh, yeah, absolutely. Uh, right now we have it on Vimeo. Um, so, uh, it will be released on other platforms in the near future. The The typical two weeks that it was going to take is now, what, Roger, we're into two months now, still waiting. So yeah. the typical delays that we're, you know, getting quite accustomed to getting for this is uh, just par for the course right now. Um, but they can go to a thousandpieces.com, all, all written out, not not the number 1,000, but written out the word thousand. So a thousand pieces. Dot com. Uh, it will direct you in the future to wherever we end up having it. Uh, we're not sure if it will be on iTunes or Netflix or Amazon Prime or Hulu, Vudu, whatever it's going to be. We don't know. Um, uh, we'll see. It's where it's going to best be suited. will be unfolding as the days come in. And yeah. uh, if you go to a thousand pieces.com, you'll, you'll find every time. And the, yeah, the thousand pieces.com is the root place. And just from the standpoint of, uh, where we're trying to bring this. We're trying to put this out in the mainstream, but it's also getting censored everywhere. So we'll see if it clears the the QC passes for iTunes and Amazon and all of that. But if not, we're just going to keep hammering it from home and create our own systems to distribute this stuff and continue going forward. So yeah, thousandpieces.com is the best place to follow all the action as it's developing. 
Well, that's great. And everyone, please um, support their work. Uh, it's incredible information and it's a great uh, film to get in front of many. Uh, like I said before at the beginning of the show, it's a really good red pill kind of movie that you can introduce to people without actually coming out as, as from a red pill perspective. I think it's very interesting and it provides a lot of insight into all of the things that we're witnessing in real time right now in our world. And thank you to my mods for putting the links in the in the uh, live chat there. Thank you so much. Steve, Roger, thank you for coming on the show. Such a blessing to have you here. And guys, I love you so much. I'll be back with you guys next week. Thanks for listening and being such a supportive audience. All video episodes can now be found on my personal YouTube channel, Nicole Frolic. If you would like to further support the show, you can visit my merchandise shop or send any donations to the PayPal link in the description below. Remember, a mind is like a parachute. Unless it's open, it's useless. So keep joining me each week as I continue to expand the mind and explore life beyond this reality.